This feels very official up here. Should I move this? Is that good? Can you hear me? All right. Well, good morning, everyone. It is uh, just a joy to be with you guys. I know Claire and I are just so excited to be here. This is our first time coming and worshiping with you all on a Sunday. And we're just so thankful for this church. It's great to see so many of you who we knew from Living Hope and encouraging to meet a few of you uh, who I haven't met before. Um, So thank you for welcoming us. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to come and to open God's Word uh, and to look at it together. I was reading a familiar passage in Philippians. You'll probably recognize it, but it just summarized our feelings for this church and for you all as a church family. Um, In Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, Paul's writing to the church in Philippi, and he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And we really uh, have a genuine love for you all and your church family. We're so thankful for you. It is a joy to partner in the gospel uh, as church families to partner in different ways. It's great to get to know some of you through young adults. Uh, I'm looking forward to doing outreach in the future, even worshiping with you all on Thursday evening. And we're just thankful for the partnership that we have in the gospel as like-minded churches. Thankful for God's design, that he didn't just leave us isolated as individual groups of believers, but he's given us other like-minded churches here in Pretoria, here in South Africa, that we can partner with for the advance of the gospel. God's design is good. And just thankful, even in those verses, that our confidence is because of Christ's return, that we are sure, we are confident that Christ is going to return. So whether it's uh, in proclaiming the gospel to our co-workers, whether it's gathering and worshiping on a Sunday morning, whether it's in our personal devotions and love for the Lord, all of that, we can be confident in it because of the surety of Christ's return. We know that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and so that's why we can have a steadfast confidence in the Lord. So I'm thankful for you all, and it's a joy to come together to open God's Word today. And really to submit our desires to the Word of God, to place our lives under the authority of God's Word, and to seek to have all that we are shaped by Him. And so in starting, I want us to think about a reality. It might be familiar for some of you, um, and less familiar for others, but something that all of us could benefit from considering. So I want us to think together as we begin about the challenges of living life as a refugee, Someone who, for one reason or another, has been driven from their home, forced to leave the country that they grew up in, a stranger in a foreign land. I'm sure if you're not in that situation, you probably have friends or neighbors or co-workers who are living in that type of situation. So if you're here today and this is your life, you've left your home, whether in the Congo or Zimbabwe, you've left your family, your friends, left a familiar environment, you've come here to South Africa where you've had to learn new routines adjust to new languages, and navigate life in a new place, you know that this comes with a unique set of challenges. Living as a refugee means you usually haven't chosen to leave. You might have been forced. A lot of times you might not have known where you were going, where you would stay, where you would live. You're not only adjusting to a new environment, but you also often face hostility from the people around you or from the government. It might be more difficult to find a place to live or to work if you're in a country that you didn't grow up in. Or maybe you're like myself. You've never had to face this reality. You haven't spent much time considering what our brothers and sisters in Christ have gone through. But we should. We should want to enter into the trials that others are going through and try to understand some of these unique challenges. The Bible frequently speaks of specific categories of people uh, that we as believers should have a particular care for. So the widow the orphan, and the sojourner. The sojourner could also be described as a refugee. These are people in vulnerable and difficult situations who are without the protection that God designed of a family, of a father, of a home, or of a government. The other reason we should consider why what life is like as a refugee is that God's word describes all of us as sojourners and refugees, strangers in a foreign land. 
This is true from the Old Testament to the New. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel and the people of God, they constantly live their lives as strangers and as sojourners, out of obedience to God, sometimes and other times as a consequence for their own sin. So Abraham and his family, they were sojourners in Egypt in Genesis chapter 12. And you might be familiar, you might remember that Joseph and his brothers ended up as sojourners in Egypt as well. And eventually the entire nation of Israel was there in Egypt as refugees and sojourners. Then later in the Old Testament, all of Israel was exiled. They were sojourners in Babylon. It's true throughout the Old Testament, throughout the life of the nation of Israel. And it's also true in the New Testament. So in 1 Peter chapter 2, the Apostle Peter is writing to New Testament believers who've been scattered. So we're going to look at a few different passages today as we consider this, as we consider what it's like to live as a refugee, and then ultimately consider hospitality, God's call for all of us as believers to be hospitable and welcoming. So if, you're, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to 1 Peter. We're going to look at a few other passages, but we'll turn back to this book a few different times. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. Okay, let's look in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 1 together. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. So Peter is writing to these New Testament believers, these exiles who have been scattered, who are now isolated as believers in foreign lands. And then you can look, flip over to chapter 2, uh, verses 11 and 12. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So he's speaking to them, these believers, as sojourners and exiles, as refugees, and exhorting them to hold fast to the faith that they have received, not allowing the pagan influence of the world around them to corrupt their pursuit and their love for the Lord. And you can see the goal there is in verse 12 so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So that the unbelieving world around them would see the good deeds of these believers and glorify God because of that. And I believe that hospitality is an aspect of that. Hospitality might not seem like some dramatic, earth-shaking spiritual experience or spiritual expression, but I really firmly believe that a simple expression of hospitality, welcoming your neighbor into your home, and sharing a meal with them, is used by the Lord as good deeds that will produce glory to God our Father. And the unbelieving world around it will be surprised to see the witness that this represents of a life that's transformed by God. So we as believers here in 2022, we should recognize we are strangers and sojourners here on earth. Just like the nation of Israel in Babylon, just like these New Testament believers had been scattered We all are strangers and sojourners here on earth. And so for each of you, do you feel this way? Do you feel a sense that you're not at home here? Even if you're from South Africa, even if you're from Pretoria West, do you feel unsettled in a way that you don't fit in? Do you feel longing in your heart for something more? And if you do, you shouldn't feel strange. This should be expected for us as believers. Our goal is not to be comfortable with our lives this side of heaven. Our goal is not to be to accumulate wealth and houses and status. We are meant to live for so much more than this. And there should always be an uneasiness in our hearts. We should recognize that this world is not our home. And we are strangers and sojourners. And we should not find our identity here. C.S. Lewis writes and he says, If we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy... The most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. The reason we feel this way is because this world is not our ultimate destination. We will not feel truly at home until Christ returns, we're taken to be with the Lord, 
and were gathered together around the throne with believers from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, worshiping God and praising him together. That is our home. That is where we belong. So I want to think, how does this fit together? If we are sojourners and strangers in this world for refugees, shouldn't others be showing hospitality to us? But even though this world is not our home, and ultimately we do not belong here, we as Christians should be the most hospitable of people. And the basis for our hospitality is the love that we have been shown by God. God's love for us is the ultimate example of hospitality. It's our motivation for sacrificial love for others and where we find our identity. Even though we're not at home in this world, we should be the most welcoming of people and the most hospitable people. That's my goal today, for each of us to consider how we should rearrange the priorities of our life in a way where we regularly show sacrificial hospitality to others, to lay down our lives to others by opening up our homes, our wallets, and our hearts to care for and show love towards others, to show hospitality to others out of a love for God and a gratitude for what he has done and obedience to his commands. So let me pray for us, and then we'll continue considering this. Heavenly Father, you are great and you're greatly to be praised. We recognize that you have shown your love for us in so many ways. And one of the main ways we see that is the way that you have welcomed us in, from those who are your enemies to now being welcomed as sons and daughters of the King. God, we come to you humbly this morning, recognizing that we need you to speak to us through your word. We're thankful that you've given us your word, and that it has given us all that we need for life and godliness. Now, as we consider the topic of hospitality, this Christian characteristic that should be reflected in each of our hearts and our lives, God, I pray that you would create in our hearts a genuine burden for hospitality, to welcome others, the unbeliever, our neighbor, our co-worker, our family member. Create a burden in our hearts for hospitality that's grounded in the love that you have shown us. Pray that you would use your word today to shape us into the image of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, I believe we each need to feel a godly conviction and burden for hospitality. So as we consider this, I want to be clear uh, at the beginning and define. So what is hospitality? So here's a few ideas of how you could describe what hospitality is. Hospitality is love for others in action. Hospitality is being welcoming to others and making them feel at home. It's a strong affection and love for others demonstrated through word and deed. So it can be something as simple as pouring a glass of water for someone, sitting down with them and asking how their day's been. Or it could be welcoming someone into your home, into your life and your family to live with you for months or even a year. So I don't, as we begin, I don't want you to limit yourselves to thinking of hospitality as like formally inviting someone over on a Friday night to sit down for a meal. But hospitality is any action that welcomes someone in, that reflects the welcoming heart of God towards us. And the starting point for radical, sacrificial hospitality towards others is recognizing the ultimate example of love that's been shown to us by God. We who are enemies of God, We are haters of God. We were sinners by nature and rebellious since birth. This is true for each one of us. Coming into this world under the curse of sin, living our lives, rejecting the truth and the rule of God. And God knew this. He understands and knows our character and nature better than we do. He knew all the evil and wickedness that would come from us, knew that by our actions we would reject him as creator, reject him as our king, that we would seek to live our lives for our own glory. But despite all of this, he loved us. His love defies logic and understanding. There's no good reason why he should have loved us like this. But he did. And he sent Jesus, his precious son, to earth on a rescue mission to ransom rebellious sinners like you and me, to welcome us in to his family. We see this simply in Romans 5 through 8, where it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us, in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus came to earth, he humbled himself, came from the right hand of God the Father to a dark and dirty stable to be born as a baby. He walked this earth, enduring suffering and pain and betrayal 
He experienced the life of a sojourner, of a refugee, of a stranger in a foreign land, one without a home, in a way that many of us never will. In Luke 9, it says, Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And his love for us didn't end with his life. This life lived as a stranger, being rejected and hated by men, but it continued in his death. He died the death that we deserved, took the weight of all of our sin, defeated sin. He defeated Satan, defeated the grave, and he did all of that for us, his enemies, sinners, those of us who he knew would reject him. And this is where we see the ultimate example of hospitality. God didn't just remove the punishment that we deserve for our sin and leave us alone to fend for ourselves, just wipe away the consequences and leave us at zero. But he chose to adopt us as his sons and daughters, to welcome us into his family. He gave us all the rights of a child of the king. And Jesus, after his resurrection, after his ascension, which we'll celebrate together on Thursday, he went to heaven to be with God the Father to prepare a place for us. And it's because our hope is in Christ, because of the truths of the gospel, that we are not at home in this world. We aren't refugees and sojourners just because we're strange or because we don't fit in, but because we are sons and daughters of the King. We're no longer living for ourselves, but we should live each day out of gratitude for what he's done, and because we now have a new hope and a new identity. We've been adopted and loved by the God of the universe. So now today, I want to encourage you all as a church family, Pretoria West Bible Church, to show radical, sacrificial hospitality and love for others because of the love that God has shown to you through Christ. To sacrificially serve others in this way. To consider as a church family how you can create a culture of hospitality that's a witness to the world around you. It's not a very complicated topic, not a complicated sermon, but one that I pray will affect your hearts and encourage you and strengthen you in your love for the Lord. So I want you to see the importance of hospitality, be encouraged in areas where you've been faithful, and convicted and challenged in areas where you can grow personally. So first, we're going to look at our motivation, the reason why we as believers should be the most hospitable people. We've been talking about this. It's because of the incredible, overwhelming love of God that's been shown us, that while we are enemies of God, haters of what is good, that he sent his only son to die on our behalf. And next, we're going to talk about our example. So it might not be the first person you'd think of, but I want to look at what I would say is the ultimate and best example of hospitality in the Bible, the most hospitable person. That's second. And then third, I want us to consider our audience. So who is it that we should be hospitable towards? And then finally, we'll discuss some practical applications. So what should this hospitality look like? So we've been speaking about it, but the motivation for our hospitality is the love of Christ that's been shown We love because he first loved us. If you have your Bibles, flip over to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. Okay, so Paul, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. You know, this is a common theme if you look for it throughout the New Testament. But it's in Paul's writings. We looked at Peter uh, earlier. Uh, but we see them constantly encouraging the church. And these were churches in hostile environments, pagan environments in lots of situations, encouraging them to be hospitable and show love towards others. So he's writing to them, verses 12 to 13. It says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope... And without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So we who have been shown this incredible, extravagant love, we were alienated from God because of our sins, separated him because of our disobedience. But now we have been brought near. Not because of anything that we've done. We are still in rebellion and sin, but we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Isn't that a picture of hospitality? That we have been brought near by the blood of Christ, brought close to God, welcomed into his family. And that's what we're reflecting to others when we show hospitality to them. Bringing them near, welcoming them into our homes, into our families, into our lives. As those who have been ransomed by Christ, 
and brought near, we have an opportunity to display this same type of love to others. One man said, talking about hospitality, he said, hospitality is a concrete expression of Christian love and family life. It is an important biblical virtue. Giving oneself to the care of God's people means sharing one's life and home with others. An open home is a sign of an open heart and a loving, sacrificial, serving spirit. A lack of hospitality is a sure sign of selfish, lifeless, loveless Christianity. Hospitality is a tangible, outward display of godly character. So he's arguing here that hospitality is not optional for believers. It should be characteristic for all of us as believers. It's a display of godly character. And he keeps going, the same, the same quote says, Hardly anything is more characteristic of Christian love than hospitality. Through the ministry of hospitality, we share the things that we value most. Our family, our home, our financial resources, our food, our privacy, and time. In other words, we share our lives. So he's actually saying that hospitality is one of the most clear evidences of a heart that's been transformed by Christ. A willingness to sacrificially open your home to serve and care for others in this way is evidence of God's work in your heart. So we should consider this seriously. Does the way that I serve others in hospitality, does it reflect the heart of Christ? Or does it reflect a heart that's selfish? It's a helpful way for us to evaluate our own lives, our motives, and an opportunity for us to grow. Our motivation to show hospitality towards others is the love that we have been shown by God through Christ. Another motivation for sacrificial hospitality is obedience to God's commands. So you might all know that hospitality is listed as one of the requirements for elders, for pastors. It's one of the key identifiers of pastors in the church. In both 1 Timothy and Titus, where we see lists of godly characteristics that should describe pastors in the church, it says that elders must be hospitable. And why do you think that is? If you know a little bit about church history, you might know that some churches met in homes. So do you think it's because they needed space for their services on Sundays? No. It's because as leaders, as shepherds, these men should reflect the heart of Christ in their love for others. And one of the key ways we see this displayed is through hospitality. Their godly character should be shown, should be demonstrated to the body, to the church family, and to a world that's watching through the way that they open their homes to others and show hospitality. I know this is something that you all have seen in Pastor Donovan. I'm confident that he's someone who's gifted in hospitality and he loves, he and his family love to sacrificially serve in this way. This is evidence of God's work in their life. There's so much ministry I know that happens in your church. It's already happened in these last few months over a meal or at a braai or over a cup of coffee. Shepherding and pastoring doesn't just happen when you sit here on a Sunday listening to the preaching of God's word, but you're shepherded through hospitality. So this command isn't just true for pastors, but all believers need to be obedient to God through practicing hospitality. This has always been true for the people of God. This was true for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, and it continues in the New. In uh, Leviticus 19, the nation of Israel is commanded by God in verses 33 and 34. It says, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. You shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So you can see there, even in those verses, at the basis of our love for others, the basis of our hospitality is the love that we have been shown by God. And Israel was called to do the same, to treat the stranger as a brother, because they themselves were strangers in the land of Egypt, and God led them and protected them and provided for them. And earlier in the same chapter, in verse 18, it says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is true in the Old Testament and it's true in the New. The same sacrificial hospitality is commanded of all believers in the New Testament. Uh, if, you're, if you have your Bibles, let's flip to 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verses 8-10. through 10.
So we looked at the first chapter of 1 Peter where uh, Peter was writing to them as exiles, these believers who had been scattered. But here later in the same book, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So Peter's writing to this diverse group of believers who are facing trials, hostility, and persecution from the world. These elect exiles. And he's challenging them to something really radical, really extreme, and really countercultural. To love one another earnestly. To keep loving one another earnestly with intention and purpose. And that describes hospitality in a lot of ways. Hospitality isn't often something that happens on accident. It takes effort to invite a stranger into your home. To invite another believer to sleep over for the week while they're traveling through. To prepare a meal and invite over some of your unbelieving co-workers. This isn't something that happens by accident. And why should they love one another earnestly? You can look down there. It says, because love covers a multitude of sins. One example of this in uh, Romans 12, verse 20, it says, If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. That's an interesting passage, but the goal in that isn't to guilt trip or to shame your enemy who sinned against you into feeling horrible, but to overwhelm them with sacrificial love and hospitality. Love that can only come from a heart that's been transformed by Christ. One great way you can show this type of love, even to your enemies, is through hospitality. So think of the testimony that it would be. Maybe you have a difficult neighbor. I don't know about you. I've had a few difficult neighbors in my life. But think of the testimony that it would be, a witness to your unbelieving neighbor, if instead of ignoring at them or cursing at them, you instead invited them over for a meal and welcomed them into your home. Or maybe at work, say you have a conflict with a coworker. Instead of just blowing them off or ignoring them, you take the initiative to go and to buy lunch for them and for you. And you sit down and you talk to them face to face and show genuine care for them. That's radical, that's sacrificial love and hospitality that reflects a heart that's been transformed by Christ. Then that same passage in 1 Peter, we see the command to hospitality. It says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So hospitality that's based in the love that we have been shown by Christ, it should be genuine. It shouldn't be fake. Not with a grumbling spirit, but with joy. We should be eager to love as we ourselves have been loved. That's our motivation. Because of the love of Christ that we have been shown, being ransomed even as enemies of God and haters of God, our hearts should overflow in sacrificial hospitality towards others out of love for God and obedience to his word. So that was the first point. The first thing I want us to consider was our motivation. And next I want us to consider who is our example in hospitality. We're going to look at one example from Scripture. might be a little bit surprising, but I would argue that the best example of hospitality, it wasn't King Solomon with his palaces and all his wealth. It wasn't Mary and Martha, who are a famous story about hospitality, prepared food for Jesus and sat at his feet. But Jesus himself... Even though Jesus had no home to welcome others into, no kitchen to prepare meals at, even though he was an unmarried man, Jesus was the most hospitable person to ever walk the face of this earth. So just think of a few examples with me for a moment. So from his very first miracle, miracle recorded in scripture, turning water into wine at the wedding, he sacrificially was creating an environment of hospitality. As the 5,000, the crowd of 5,000 came and sat and listened to his teaching, he fed them. He welcomed in those whose society had rejected. He welcomed the tax collectors and sinners to sit and eat with them. He loved the lame and the lepers who were outcasts from the rest of society. He cared for women and children in a particular way that was countercultural and a culture that dismissed them. Even as you all as a church family celebrate communion, 
You can be reminded of a specific example of hospitality that Christ showed in the Passover meal. He prepared a place for he and his disciples to gather and to share this meal together, this first communion. He washed the disciples' feet and provided the bread and wine that symbolized the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And on the cross, that's where we see the ultimate example of Christ's hospitality. He welcomed in those who were his enemies. He died for those who had rejected him. He took the punishment that our sins deserved so that we could be adopted as sons and daughters of God. If you're still in 1 Peter, flip back to chapter 2 with me. We're going to look at verses 10 through 12. Here in verse 10, it's some of the most shocking contrasts in the Bible. But this is the gospel. Verse 10, it says, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And then he continues on. He exhorts them, recognizing that because they're God's people, this world is not their home. Verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Through Christ's work on the cross, we became God's people. We received mercy. What an example Christ is. What humility, what grace, and what love we see in his life. And what a perfect example for us to look to as we seek to reflect his love towards, through hospitality towards others. We don't want to serve others through hospitality by depending on our own strength, but we want to look to him. Even as a church family at Pretoria West, we don't want you all... You don't want to be a church-centered church, but you want to be a Christ-centered church. Not only is Jesus your example when you show hospitality towards others, but Jesus taught that you'll be judged on the basis of your hospitality. Because when you love and you welcome others in, you love and you welcome him. Matthew 25 speaks to this when it says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So what an amazing truth, that when we serve our brothers and sisters in Christ, or others in the world, when we show hospitality to others, we serve Christ our King directly. What a blessing to be able to use our gifts to show hospitality and to serve Christ directly by serving others. We should pray that God will produce in us a genuine joy in love and service for others in this way. So first we talked about our motivation. Next we talked about Christ as our example. And now I want us to think about our audience Who should we show hospitality towards? So hopefully, if you've been following along with me so far and you're saying, okay, I'm convinced, I know the love of Christ that's been shown to me. I know that I used to be an enemy of God, but now I'm his child. I've been welcomed into his family. I can see the example of Christ's hospitality and welcoming others in. And I'm excited about this. Now what? Now who should I show hospitality towards? And just to be up front, I think that hospitality should be shown to other believers, to unbelievers, and even strangers. And the church itself should be an atmosphere of hospitality. We, as the body of Christ, should work hard to create a welcoming environment each and every Sunday. So the first, and maybe the most obvious category for hospitality, is hospitality towards other believers. In John thirteen thirty four, we read the words of Jesus, where we're commanded to love one another. It says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The radical, sacrificial love that we are called to show one another is a testimony to the watching world of the love of Christ that we've been shown. 
The same thing in Galatians. The Apostle Paul writes Galatians 6 verse 10 and says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So Paul's recognizing we all have limitations. We're to do good as we have opportunity, but we should see it as a joy. It's not realistic for us to show hospitality to every stranger, every coworker, every neighbor, and every person we meet on the street. But we should especially show hospitality and love and do good to others who are of the household of faith. And that's something we can consider. One important thing we can consider is our own heart or our motives in hospitality. Even within the church, do we always invite the same people over, our closest friends or the people that are the most like us? Or are we trying to reflect the heart of Christ, intentionally considering who we can serve or love by inviting them over for a meal or serving in other ways? So as Jesus loved others, he loved sacrificially. He loved his enemies, sinners, and the crowds. We should fight against selfishness. So for you all as a church family at Pretoria West Bible Church, if you're going to grow a church family, a community from all cultures where Christ is king, you should seek to grow and develop real and deep relationships that require intentionality. There's differences among each one of you because of your background or culture or the family that you came from, even as brothers and sisters in Christ. So there might be one person, somebody in this church who's never gone a whole meal in his, a whole meal in his life without eating pop. You might invite him over for dinner with a genuine desire to serve him. You might make this amazing pasta, your mom's recipe. But maybe if you build a culture of hospitality in your church, you'll try to serve others by making them feel comfortable. Maybe this guy has never eaten pasta before. Maybe he really doesn't like it. I don't know, I love pasta. But if you seek to make others feel welcome, not to impress them with the meal that you've made, you might create a culture where you seek to love others and care for them in specific and real ways. And also with a culture of hospitality, that brother who's coming... He might recognize that this pasta is very special to you, and he can be appreciative, recognizing the love of God that's been shown to him by you and the effort that you've gone to. There's a real opportunity for us to evaluate our own hearts and hospitality. We don't just want our consciences to be clear, thinking we're hospitable, just because we have people in our homes often, if our motives are wrong. Our love is demonstrated not by considering who we most want to spend time with, but by sacrificially considering the needs of others. We shouldn't just invite others over if it's easy or convenient, but we should try to build relationships with others who are different than us for the glory of God and to build up the church. It's another way I want us to consider uh, what hospitality looks like. Have you ever actually thought about maybe what you're thinking of as hospitality is actually better described as entertaining? So let's think about the difference, entertaining versus hospitality. So in entertaining... Your goal is to amaze your guests. You want to have this delicious food that you spent all day preparing. You want to have everything perfectly arranged in your home so that they're amazed by how beautiful your home is. You want people to leave talking about how great of a host you are. But with hospitality, your goal isn't for others to be impressed with you, but to be impressed with Christ, to be encouraged and welcomed by the love of Christ. Hospitality might mean intentionally asking questions of your guests instead of trying to entertain them with these amazing stories about things that you've done or places that you've been. Hospitality might mean preparing something simple for dinner when you have them over so that you can sit and spend time discussing things and asking intentional questions about someone's heart instead of running around the whole time preparing a lot of different dishes. So I'm not saying you can't uh, prepare a fancy meal But we need to consider what is our heart, what is our motive behind our hospitality. Entertaining seeks to impress others, and hospitality is seeking to bless others. Hospitality is the way that we imitate the sacrificial love that God has shown us. And you have such an opportunity. So here in your church family, you have opportunities every week to serve one another through hospitality. One other thing I want to mention about hospitality is the Bible specifically mentions hospitality towards those who have gone out as ministers of the gospel. In 3 John, uh, verses 5 through 8, it says, Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. 
You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these. This is another interesting thing to consider, that we have a unique opportunity to serve other ministers of the gospel by becoming an active part of their ministry through showing hospitality towards them. So you might think of opportunities you have as a church. If you know a missionary family or a pastor uh, in another area who has gone out for the sake of the name, for the advance of the gospel, you can serve them by having them over for a meal or letting them stay in your home. And in doing that, you're serving as a fellow worker for the truth. It's a specific and unique opportunity. So first, there's hospitality towards believers. And then next, I want us to think about hospitality towards strangers. So even in the New Testament, the word that's most commonly translated for hospitality, it literally means love of strangers. Serving those who are strangers to us, unbelievers and outsiders, is at the heart of the gospel and should be at the center of our hospitality. So just honestly speaking, it can be very easy for us as believers to get in the habit of only practicing hospitality that's convenient and comfortable. So for many of us, this might be true, that even though we often invite people into our homes, we rarely invite a stranger. But I truly believe that hospitality towards strangers is both an expectation of us as believers and it's a unique opportunity. So there can be a a way of thinking. We can convince ourselves that we should just share the gospel with strangers outside the home and have godly conversations with them and tell their believers without ever inviting them in to sit down for a meal. And while it's true that we're to, to be intentional in sharing the gospel at work or at school or on the road, we're to teach others what the Bible says, we're also to demonstrate what we believe by our actions. And one way we can do that is by inviting people into our homes and into our lives. It's such a great opportunity for us to sit down for a meal with an unbeliever, with a stranger, and have an opportunity to share life together. There's some conversations or opportunities that can only happen through hospitality like this. One example I can think of, um, we had a young guy who lived with us for a while, I don't know, maybe six months or so. We met him when he visited our church one Sunday. He had just been released from prison. He was saved through hearing the gospel in prison. He had grown up in a rough home situation. And we invited him into our home to stay with us for a while while he was transitioning. And we were leaving with him one evening to go to GC. And Claire apologized to me for making us late because she was baking a cake to share with the people at our GC. So it was a simple conversation, just her apologizing for making us late. She asked for my forgiveness, but this guy was totally shocked. He was so surprised. He had grown up in an environment with mostly single-parent households. He had grown up with his mom and with his grandmother. And to see Claire's humility in her apology was a total shock to him. And it was a beautiful example of a difference that a Christian marriage can make. He'd never seen his mom apologize to anyone. She'd never apologized to him even, I think. And these type of conversations could never happen if we don't take the initiative to serve others through hospitality. He never would have seen that simple interaction if he hadn't been in our home. Another great opportunity that you all have as a church family is the opportunity to have both believers and unbelievers in your home together. So by doing this, by being hospitable in this way, you can create an environment for gospel conversations. So maybe you're the one that prepares a meal, makes a plan. Maybe you invite some of your neighbors over for a meal, but you also invite several other people from your church. So you might not even be the person who talks to your neighbors that day, but you create an opportunity for your brother or sister in Christ to connect with them, and there might even be opportunities for them to share the gospel with your unbelieving neighbor or coworker. Ultimately, the aim of our hospitality particularly towards strangers or unbelievers, so that they would know Christ. We love because he first loved us. It would be unwise or unloving for us to open our homes, to provide meals for others, and welcome them with hospitality without ever sharing the gospel with them, without ever sharing this, the most precious truth, without sharing Christ, who's the source and the motivation for our love for others. Okay, so first we talked about Uh, hospitality towards believers, now unbelievers. And then third, I want us to think about hospitality towards as a church family. So as children of God, we should intentionally show hospitality towards one another. 
sacrificially serve one another, open our homes for one another, love each other in this way out of a love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We should show hospitality towards strangers and unbelievers, even though it might not seem natural or easy. It's a unique opportunity to reflect the love of Christ. And then last, how should you all as a church, as Pretoria West Bible Church, how should you be hospitable? How can you create a welcoming and hospitable environment together? So each Sunday when you gather together, are you focused on connecting with one another and catching up? Or are you eagerly welcoming those who are apart from Christ? Maybe an unbeliever who one of your friends is invited. Maybe somebody who's passing by on the street or has received one of those flyers that you guys are going to hand out. The church should be the most welcoming of places. But sadly, even I know for myself at times, we can be so distracted by all that we have going on on a Sunday, catching up with friends, trying to bring our kids in, getting settled, we're running late, that we forget to stop and to recognize the visitor who's sitting alone. And one thing I know about Pastor Donovan and Heather is they are always thinking through how they can create a more hospitable environment towards outsiders, how they can welcome the stranger and show the love of Christ. Even the way that they're organizing and arranging the services, providing juice and and tea and coffee at the back, this is a way to welcome strangers and to show the heart of Christ for hospitality. So this is one way that you can make the most of each Sunday. As you prepare to go to church each Sunday, you might take time to read the passage that's going to be preached on. You're prepared to to be shaped by the Word of God. You might be praying for the service, but another way that you can prepare is to prepare your own heart for hospitality. You could spend time praying for those who would be visiting that day. Pray for unbelievers or guests who someone might have invited. You can ask that the Lord would give you an intentional love for strangers so that you'll be the one to reach out and to welcome them. When you come to church, be intentional to look for the person who's isolated, someone who's not as connected. Don't just rush to your friends every week, your family, but intentionally consider who you can welcome. And you can think about this in your GCs as well. Is your GC an environment where you can invite your unbelieving coworker to come and make them feel at home? Are you intentionally looking to connect with a new visitor or guest who's coming to your GC? Or are you always looking just to catch up with your friends? Do you leave it to the person who invited that guest? Or are you going to go out of your way to make visitors feel welcome and comfortable? It shouldn't just be the responsibility of the leaders or the people who host but all of us as believers should intentionally work towards creating a hospitable environment. This brings glory to God. It puts the gospel on display and shows the love of Christ to a world that is watching us. Okay, and then finally, I want us to think about what should our hospitality look like? So we talked a little bit earlier about the difference between hospitality and entertaining. I think this is really important to evaluate our own hearts and our motives for what we do. And even as we consider some application, I want to emphasize the heart of hospitality. Reflecting God's love for us in Christ is the way that we love and serve others. So I don't want to give you a specific formula because it's going to look different for each of you. Hospitality will look different for families and for single people. It'll look different for people with kids. It'll look different for students. But no matter what our situation in life is, the Lord has given us opportunities to serve and blessings that we can share with others. We can each prayerfully consider how the Lord can use us as instruments of hospitality to build up the church, to encourage other believers, and build relationships with unbelievers with the purpose of sharing the gospel with them. So hospitality could mean inviting someone over to your home for a meal, or it could mean bringing food to someone who's sick or struggling. Especially when Claire and I were first married, a lot of times it was easier for us to take food to someone else's house. Maybe they had a lot of kids and we were staying in a small flat. And it might be easier for those families with kids to be at home. Hospitality could mean offering your couch for someone to sleep on for a night. Or it could mean welcoming someone to live with you for several months who's going through a trial so you can be with them and welcome them. Hospitality could be a glass of water uh, sitting in your living room. Or it could be inviting someone over for a a huge Christmas meal with your family. Hospitality could mean connecting with a visitor after church, inviting them out for coffee to get to know them. Or it could mean catching up with an old friend and intentionally encouraging them in their walk with the Lord. So what about you? I want each one of us to think about this. 
Would others say that you're a hosp- you are a hospitable person? Is that something that you aspire towards? I want us to evaluate our own hearts, even this week or this afternoon as you have time. Think through your own desire to serve through hospitality. So do others come to you when they need help? Or do you give the impression that you don't want to be bothered? Is your family intentional about welcoming others into your home, even if they're different from you? Or if they make you feel awkward or uncomfortable? One reality that's, I know, very significant for a lot of us is, do you have space to regularly serve others through hospitality? Or do you keep such a busy schedule with work and with family and with school that there's no opportunity for you to serve others through hospitality? Maybe we need to reconsider how we plan out our weeks. What worries or fears do you have that can keep you from welcoming others into your life or your home? What promises has God given to you that you can cling to for hope and peace and assurance? So just a few ideas to consider taking action on, even today or even this week. You can start by praying. Pray that God, who has shown us so much hospitality and love, would give you joy in hospitality through displaying God's character towards others. You could start simply just inviting someone over for a meal, out for a meal, or out for a cup of coffee after church is a great start. You could make a list of people who you want to show hospitality towards. Think of people who would be encouraged by an offer of hospitality. Start brainstorming. You can think of creative ways to show hospitality. Our circumstances don't exempt us from showing hospitality as believers. If we wait for the perfect situation, then it might reveal our heart. One of the most hospitable guys that I know, one of the most hospitable believers I know, was a single guy at our church uh, before we were in before Living Hope. He lived with us for a season. And this single guy, even when he was in university living in res, he would invite new members over to his house. He would babysit for different families. Uh, when people were sick in the church, we would have a rotation to sign up to bring meals. And this single guy, who's an engineering student, 20, 21-year-old guy, would be one of the first people to sign up to bring a meal to a family who was sick or had a new baby. This guy was always one of the first people to greet visitors on a Sunday. One funny example, we, in his GC, there was a single mom with a son who was about 10 years old, and he wanted to be an encouragement to this young boy who didn't have a father around. And the mom loved to knit. Uh, she would make, like, scarves and hats and stuff. So this student, this young guy, learned how to knit so he could go over to this, this lady's house, and he would sit and talk with her and encourage her and talk to her son and try to be intentional to encourage this young boy and to be a male figure in his life. This same guy would keep a list. He would memorize every single name in our church. Our church had about five or 600 members, and he would go through, and he would keep pictures of all the people with their names, so he would always memorize their names so he could make people feel welcome on Sundays. So I just want this to be an encouragement to you. Uh, I know it can be difficult in different seasons of life. We can sometimes be tempted to exempt ourselves because of a busy season, because of the situation that we're in, because of the place that we live, because of our finances. But don't let your circumstances in life keep you from serving. It might just require some creative thinking. So maybe you could talk to a friend in your GC about serving together in this way. You could join with a family in your GC by helping to host someone for a meal or be intentional to invite a new visitor from church out for coffee on a Sunday. We should each intentionally seek to grow a heart for biblical hospitality. This is a God-honoring characteristic that I pray your church will grow and excel in. This benefits not just the person who is being shown hospitality, but the one who is showing hospitality as well. One author, one of my favorites, I know Heather loves her as well, uh, Rosaria Butterfield, said, Hospitality is good for the giver because it puts our lives and our hearts on display. It compels us to confess and to repent, to live below our means, and to build in margin time for the unexpected needs of others. If we aren't regularly practicing hospitality, we are missing out on ways that the Lord can use us in the life of our church and in the world. And we're missing out on opportunities for sanctification in our own lives. It's a painful reality, but sometimes the Lord needs to use hospitality to sanctify us and grow us in areas that we might not have been aware of. Areas of sin that might have been hidden because of our lack of practical love for others. If we're going to show hospitality towards others, we'll have to make sacrifices. 
of time and resources. And if you're convinced that this is a priority for us as believers, which I hope all of you are, then we need to ensure that we plan, that we plan times in our week to have space to serve others, plan space in our budget to be able to be intentional in hospitality. So for you all as a church family, this is really my hope and prayer that the Lord would create such an environment of hospitality that it would be just an amazing witness to the community around you. That as you interact with different coworkers and neighbors and family members here in Pretoria West, that they would notice something is different. Not because of the way that you sing or where you meet, but because of the love of Christ that is so evident in your hearts. Hospitality puts the love of God on display to a world that's watching. Hospitality is used to build up the kingdom of God. Hospitality creates opportunities for the gospel, and the heart of hospitality reflects the heart of God. It's such a blessing, it's such a privilege, and I hope you will find it such a joy to serve others in this way. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, most of all, we just thank you for the love that you have shown us through Christ. It is such an amazing example. It is our foundation. It is where our hope is found. That when we are your enemies, that you died for us. That we have been ransomed from the futile way of life that we were lost in. And that because of Christ's love for us, our hearts have been transformed. That we've been given new desires. You've taken out a heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh. But God, you know our weakness. Even as believers, God, we struggle to show love We struggle to be intentional. We struggle to reflect the heart of Christ to others. We need your help. We need to depend on you. So I pray for the church family here at Pretoria West Bible Church. God, I pray that you would grow in them such a unique, uh, such an evident love for one another, such an amazing love for the world, and such a sacrificial love for others that creates just an incredible environment of hospitality, welcoming others in on Sundays, welcoming others into their homes. And I pray that you would use that to transform lives, that you would create opportunities for the gospel where your name would be proclaimed faithfully, that you would save sinners, that you would grow the church and your kingdom would advance through simple acts of hospitality week in and week out. Thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship together, to sit and to consider uh, your word today, to look at the heart of Christ that we can display through hospitality. Pray that you would continue to grow and to shape us into the image of your Son. We thank you that we're looking forward to the day, and we long for the day when Christ will return and make all things right. In a world where we see so much brokenness and sin, we long for you to return. So Jesus, we pray that you would return quickly. Pray us in Jesus' name. Amen.
and we're very clear to let them know we want you in as well. You know, we want you in as well. Uh, and and there's, there's, there's very different space for one more love to, to you tomorrow. Um, uh, the Lord can use this and use it massively um, in, in, our, in our gospel mission here in Victoria West. Okay, so please do be thinking and praying about how you can apply this message about the community groups this week will be a good opportunity to discuss that practically. Um, um, let's uh, sing one more song together as we close our service. And then after that, um, I encourage you to spend a little bit of time fellowshipping, interacting with each other, doing uh, some refreshing things.